Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Oh, who are the people in your cabinet? In your cabinet. In your cabinet. Say, who are the people in your cabinet? In your cabinet. In your cabinet. What's that? Oh, hello, Boris. Nice to meet you. Now, let me guess what you do in the cabinet. Oh, okay, so you're carelessly xenophobic, hugely incompetent. Oh, and you're terrible at handling delicate situations. Hmm. Well, I guess you'll have been given something where you can't do any damage then, right? Foreign Secretary? Oh. Oh, dear. Welcome to this week's slightly late and half-full partly political broadcast. I'm Tin and Duyeb, and I'm now a married man, meaning that were I to die suddenly, my beautiful wife would gain this podcast and have to spend a silly amount of time each week shouting at the news. This is the life she has signed up for. Though she would also gain my Pokemon Go profile, and I've just gained a Snorlax, so it is not all bad. That is love, that is. Anyway, while I've been away, it seems that like me as a teenager, you can't leave politics alone for a week without it ruining a party, letting everyone down and accidentally setting fire to the curtains. Prime Minister Theresa May has assembled a new cabinet, like how you might assemble an Ikea cabinet if all you had were an axe and a hatred for Swedish flat pack furniture. There seem to be more coups than a pigeon race, with Turkey now in a state where to protect democracy, they've hidden it away somewhere really safe where it can't be found, given it a new identity, and had totalitarianism make a public appearance, saying they don't know where it is and it'll only come back if everyone behaves. Horrifically, there have been so many terror attacks and shootings around the world that breaking news should have been renamed Daily Bulletins. The UK still hasn't Brexited and no one knows when it will, while we continue to become a nation so divided with a rise in hate crime so severe that millions of people are openly telling Pokemon Go. In amongst all of this, Labour is doing very well at taking on itself in the sort of boring civil war where it'd now be nice if somehow both sides could lose and someone else invade and take over entirely. Oh, and in the US, it's now official that the presidential race is between someone who'll likely start a war with Iran before she's even moved her linen into the White House or someone who'll likely start a war on everyone because the man in the mirror gave him a dirty look and he wasn't going to stand for it. So, yes, lots to catch up on. 
Firstly, though, uh, thank you for the lovely, lovely reviews on iTunes. They really made my day, uh, and it's so nice to know that you lot out there actually like this show. Uh, I was particularly pleased by the review uh, from Sogmac, who wrote, Don't worry about the rubbish jingles. After a few weeks, even these become enjoyable. Thanks, Sogmac. Uh, if you haven't yet reviewed the show and you have two minutes spare, please do head to iTunes and give us a word or two or even just a star rating if your life is too busy for vocabulary use. Uh, thanks also to anyone who came to the night to restore sanity at Conway Hall last week. Uh, it was a brilliant night with a really, really fantastic audience. And I think, I think we managed to equally cheer up people and raise uh, some really good cash for Help Refugees, who are a fantastic charity. Um, I've got an audio file of the evening, so I'm just waiting for an OK from all of the acts. And hopefully I can release some sort of truncated version of it uh, at a small fee for any of you lot who couldn't get there uh, with, again, all the proceeds going to help refugees uh, until we can help all of them and fix the world. Yeah, easy peasy. Um, on this week's show, there is no interview as I just haven't had time with uh, getting married and charity gigs and festivals and uh, crazy summer work. Um, also, over the next few weeks, as Parliament enters recess and the least silly, silly season ever begins, uh, the release dates for this podcast are going to become slightly more erratic until September. Uh, but that's okay, because judging by the last few months, I'm sure nothing will happen over August anyway, right? Right? But yeah, uh, please bear with me, and I promise I'll churn these out as and when I can. Churn, like audio butter. So, where to begin? Well, here are some things that you just might have missed. Nothing makes you feel safe at night like knowing we have a new Prime Minister who said she's willing to push the button to unleash a nuclear missile killing hundreds of thousands of people. Ah, sweet dreams everyone. As Theresa May said, what is the point in having a nuclear deterrent if you aren't willing to use it? Because there is nothing like putting others off firing warheads at you, like waving yours around willy-nilly shouting, we've got the big guns so come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Costing at least £31 billion to renew, with costs of £250 billion to keep it going until 2060, Trident is going to be a brilliant deterrent against the UK's current biggest enemy. That's right, ISIS. ISIS who aren't based in any particular area and do individual attacks within countries they oppose. So I'm sure that by nuking the site of a terrorist attack in Germany, France or even our own soil, it's going to really put them off, I'm sure. Some critics say that Trident is outdated, but an updated version would cost even more and wouldn't be operational until 2035, so you'd have to keep Trident until then anyway, like an old dying PC that still has the ability to delete all your files and then leak printer ink all over your carpet. The other option would be to scale back Trident entirely or scrap our nuclear programme uh, and join countries such as South Africa, Argentina or Ukraine who have given up their nuclear programme as well. The UK has actually signed the treaty on the non-proliferation of nuclear weapons, but only under the first pillar of non-proliferation, which means that we can have them, but we won't encourage other countries. Which sounds hugely patronising, doesn't it? No, I don't think you should have the possibility of killing thousands of people. What do you mean we have it, though? Yeah, but we're responsible and we need them in case you piss us off. 355 MPs voted in favour of Trident, including 140 Labour MPs, who we've all realised over the last nine months love to blow things up unnecessarily. Several Labour MPs, including Tom Watson, said it was ridiculous for Jeremy Corbyn to vote against Trident, as not renewing it would cost many union members working in the defence industry their jobs. You know, in the way a huge nuclear fallout that destroys a large chunk of the country wouldn't. Labour leadership campaigner Owen Smith says that we needed Trident because Donald Trump could end up with his finger on the US nuclear button. Owen Smith is going to be hugely shocked when he finds out that the UK needs US authorization to use Trident in the first place. I mean, imagine that scenario. 
Trump sends a nuke to the UK. We have to sheepishly call him while surrounded by fire and death and ask if we can fire one back to deter. Great stuff. I am, as you can probably tell, hugely against Trident, uh, having visited Hiroshima last year and seen that the horrors that nuclear attacks can cause. It's, it's really, really upsetting, and you wonder how people could ever do that to each other. I also feel that this is a lot of money that could be used for useful infrastructure instead. But the one thing that's really turned me around is that now we have Boris Johnson as Foreign Secretary, I guess it is entirely possible we'll have several more major enemies by the end of the year. Maybe that was Theresa May's thinking in giving him the job. You know, there's every chance that Boris will rugby tackle the child of a head of state, and next thing you know, we're all playing a live-action version of Akira. So maybe we need a nuclear deterrent now more than ever. Suzanne Evans, the UKIP spokesperson, who always sounds as though she's on QVC selling a special limited-edition xenophobia set, has decided that she won't be standing for leader of the party. This isn't just because she'd probably struggle to lead a donkey with a carrot, but because she says... It's, uh, but because, she says, of its increasingly hard-right image. You know, the sort of hard-right image it's gained after Suzanne Evans did things like blame the entire housing crisis on immigrants, even though she owns three homes herself. Or that UKIP didn't get enough support in London due to there being too many educated people. Ugh, damn those educated people. Ugh, and their crazy ideas. Instead, Suzanne Evans is backing someone called Lisa Duffy, who up until Evans mentioned her was completely and utterly unknown. Still, I suppose if you are going to lead a party into obscurity, it's helpful if you know what it's like when going into the job. Duffy is a mother of six, which, if anything, means she's part of the reason that the UK is overcrowded in the first place. She also used to work as a store manager for TK Maxx, so she could actually be perfect for UKIP leader, being used to having things in no discernible order, regularly having to retract and make excuses for offensive slogans, and constantly inventing figures to make promises seem almost too good to be true. Do you remember Universal Credit? The most awful thing with Universal in its name, coming just before Universal Soldier 2, Day of Reckoning, and Universal, a 1990s Australian boy band who sang a song called Rock Me Good, including lyrics such as Don't be shy girl, come closer, gonna make it with you, when the warm breeze is blowing, pour sweet wine onto you. Yeah, Universal Credit is worse than that. Prime Minister Theresa May has pushed back the rollout of Universal Credit to 2022. The whole scheme was meant to be fully implemented by next year and cost around £2.2 billion, but is now going to be five years overdue with an estimated cost of £15.8 billion instead. It was originally proposed by Ian Duncan Smith, who, let's be honest, the only good idea he's ever had was resign. And the idea was that it pulls six different welfare payments into one, because that way the Department of Work and Pensions can just be incompetent about a single thing. Since its unveiling, it's been dogged by online issues, payment problems and several studies saying that it will actually make an awful lot of people worse off. The new work and pension secretary, Damien Green, has insisted they've only pushed it back this time to avoid slip-ups and make sure it's delivered properly. But it's much more likely that Theresa May has realised that universal credit is a time bomb and she'd much prefer it to go off later in her governance or even in someone else's face when it's more likely to affect people on welfare like she intends it to rather than her cabinet. Though who knows, by 2022, we'll probably have all been nuked by Donald Trump anyway. MPs have rejected a bill to change Britain's voting system to a type of proportional representation, as, you know, that'd just give the public more power and say, and who wants that, eh? I mean, they've had a referendum, what more do they want? Actual democracy? <laughs> what next? The moon? Caroline Lucas from the Green Party put forward the motion to have an additional member system for voting, which would mean parties would get seats depending on the overall share of the vote. 
The current first-past-the-post system means that the House of Commons doesn't really represent the votes that were cast, as it's just focused on most votes in a constituency, meaning in some areas it's completely pointless having a vote as they're all safe seats. In some ways, this is great, as it meant despite UKIP getting 3.9 million votes, they only have one MP. Hooray! But then it isn't really great for that happening to any party you might actually like. And really, above all, democracy would be nice, I suppose. I mean, in 2015, Labour gained 1.5% more of the popular vote than in 2010, but lost 26 seats. While the Conservatives only gained 0.8% of the vote, but gained 23 seats. So clearly, it is a bit of a mess. And with the Conservatives' boundary changes no doubt being pushed through by Theresa May before the next election, it would be nice if every vote actually counted. Sadly, despite support from the Green Party, Lib Dems, SNP, UKIP and Labour, it was voted down at 81 votes to 74. And judging by the AV vote in 2011, where all the money backed the no to AV campaigns, meaning that it was a very easy win, it is unlikely that we'll see PR anytime soon. Well, we will, just the other sort of PR. No, not public relations. Oh, this is confusing. Oh, who are the people in your cabinet? In your cabinet? In your cabinet? Oh, hello, Jeremy. And what do you do in the cabinet? You're awful at being health secretary, want to privatise the health service, don't care about what doctors think, and you've been the worst health secretary ever known. Oh, well, I guess you'll be doing something else in the cabinet then. Oh, dear. Turkey is a country that unfortunately appears to be pretty stuffed, despite it being only July. The gateway from the Middle East to Europe and back again was the subject of a failed coup last week. Just under 9,000 members of the Turkish army took part in a failed attempt to overthrow the government. And while you might think that that's a good thing that the coup failed, as those sorts of military interventions never end well, instead it means the country is under the even tighter rule of President Erdogan, a man who regularly straddles the line between total dick and totalitarian dictator on a daily basis. Leader of the Justice and Development Party, or AKP, a name that I don't think that can be said without sarcasm. And since becoming Turkish Prime Minister in 2003, Erdogan has been accused of corruption, electoral fraud, demeaning the constitution and violating human rights, which is the sort of CV that even Andrea Lenson wouldn't want. In 2014, Erdogan became Turkish president, a role that is meant to be largely ceremonial, but he pushed for executive presidency, announcing that he wouldn't assume presidential neutrality and is suspected of forcing the last prime minister to resign because he wouldn't go along with those plans. One of the most incredible stories of his uh, leadership was during the 2014 local elections, where there were high levels of documented fraud, including theft and burning of ballots, all in favour of the Justice and Development Party. Convenient electrical blackouts kept happening in Ankara during vote counting, disrupting the process, and the energy minister was ridiculed for saying that they were all due to a cat getting into the power distribution unit and nothing suspicious at all. Which I have to... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about... Work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I mean, that's not a bad excuse. I mean, come on, cats always look like they're plotting things. And they can see in the dark. So why not send one troop to black out an entire city in order to quietly take over at night? Yeah, totes plausible. Or plausible, eh? Eh? No, I am not sorry. The opposition group, the Republican People's Party, have alleged that over 1,863 journalists have lost their jobs due to their anti-government views since Erdogan has been in charge. And AKP have had tighter and tighter controls over the media since 2013 when mainstream channels didn't broadcast any footage of mass anti-government protests. It was a bit odd because CNN International showed loads of coverage of it, while at the same time CNN Turk showed a programme about penguins, because I guess that's a far more black and white situation. Internet controls were brought in, allowing the government to block websites without any sort of court order, and Twitter and YouTube were banned in 2014 after a dodgy recording of Erdogan and his son discussing nullifying all the family's cash reserves due to the corruption scandal made its way online. I mean, he could have just clicked the thumbs down on it instead and written a racist comment like everyone else. You do wonder if maybe he actually blocked YouTube so people wouldn't find out where the AKP get all their inspiration for their cat and penguin excuses the rest of the year round. If the next suspicious crisis is blamed on a monkey riding a pig, you'll know that's the case. Just this year, Erdogan forced a rest on academics who signed a petition against Turkey's crackdown on ethnic Kurdish towns and wanting an end to violence. The president decided that these peacekeepers were the darkest of people and pushing terrorist propaganda because, as we all know, wanting peace is Tote's classic terrorist moves. Many were arrested in dawn raids, several others lost their jobs. And in March 2016, a former Miss Turkey model was sentenced to a year in prison because she shared a poem insulting Erdogan on her Instagram feed. But oddly, despite all these terrifying dictatorship-like policies, Erdogan still has a lot of support in Turkey, although mainly among conservative Muslim citizens, who feel that he is undoing the damage that was done by Ataturk in the 1920s and 30s. And by damage, they mean secularism, civil rights for women, free education and lower taxes on the poor. You know, all those terrible things, right? I mean, who'd want that? And internationally, Turkey is the barrier between Syria and Europe, and a leading NATO member. So right now, Erdogan holds a fair amount of weight with other political leaders. And some of that is why the coup failed. Despite it being nearly 9,000 military staff, 35 planes, 37 helicopters, 74 tanks, and in some sort of slur to the navy, just three ships. The military needed public support or more military backing, neither of which happened. Part of the army announced using the state broadcaster that it seized power to protect democracy and announced a nationwide curfew. But Erdogan, who was on holiday at the time, appeared on the news via a FaceTime Skype call on a mobile, telling his supporters to take to the streets and protest, leading to violent clashes all across Istanbul. 
He then followed this up with a series of tweets and a nationwide text. Again, only ridiculous Erdogan, a man who has banned most social media sites, could then use FaceTime and Twitter to save his own government. It'd have been like Mary Whitehouse's will only being accessible on a porn site. It's still not clear who was responsible for the coup, but the government has blamed a Muslim cleric called Fetullah Gulen, who is exiled in the US. Gulen promotes a tolerant Islam, and up until the AKP closed a number of primary schools run by Gulen's Hizmet movement, he was assisting the AKP in undermining the Turkish secular state, and asking his followers to infiltrate mainstream structures. Gulen and the AKP fell out when it appeared the government simply used him for their own motives, and the two fought in a power struggle for the state. However, this coup doesn't seem like the Gulen movement's work, as using violence isn't their usual bag. They usually go for nicer, more gentler tactics, you know, things like wiretapping, false evidence and smear campaigns. The coup plotters also called themselves the Peace at Home Council, which comes from Ataturk's famous saying, Peace at Home, Peace in the World, which is often how a film would have closed all the windows and have Netflix on. Gulenists are opposed to Ataturk's policies, and so again, it doesn't really sound like them unless it's a very obvious reference on purpose and is actually them trying to pretend that it's not them. I mean, who needs the internet when you have plot twists like that? 265 people died and 1,440 were wounded in the clashes on the night of the coup. And since then, 2,700 judges have been dismissed, 3,000 soldiers have been arrested and nearly 16,000 people overall have been detained. Amnesty International has said that they've received credible evidence that those detainees have been subject to beatings and torture. The Turkish government announced a state of emergency which allows them to bypass or restrict and suspend rights and freedoms of citizens. And this is all apparently to protect democracy, because Erdogan seems to assume the only way to protect it is to hide it away somewhere where no one can use it and ruin it. So, for now, it all seems rather scarily like Turkey is under the grip of an even more powerful government as the result of the failed coup and a scarily power-hungry Erdogan. And this will not only affect the citizens of Turkey, but also many Syrian refugees trying to flee their country too, with Turkey as the main barrier between them and Europe. International intervention might be needed. Either that, or fingers crossed that those cats get the blackout started again and take over soon. Good luck, guys. Will it be Clinton or will it be Trump? One's all mean and one speaks from his rump. One's quite ruthless, one has no brain, but one of them's gonna win the presidential campaign. Oh yeah, it's the US presidential campaign. Across the other, slightly larger pond, the US presidential election race has finally begun. What do you mean? Didn't it start like four years ago, you're all thinking? Well, yeah, not quite that long ago, but sort of. I mean, the last year of ill-thought-through soundbites and pompous nationalistic fanfares have actually all just been to elect the presidential candidates for each party. And now they are officially chosen, the big race can get underway. Hillary Clinton has now been named as the official Democratic candidate for the US presidency, which is a triumph for feminism, although in typical patriarchal US fashion, her husband did have to have a go first. Then, for the Republican side, they have hairy melanoma Donald Trump, who in the last week has managed to prove that he doesn't really have policies, more occasional ideas with no means to carry them out. So far, he's stated that it wasn't okay that Clinton voted for the Iraq war, but when questioned about his running mate Pence voting for it, that was fine. He said that global warming doesn't exist, but it's threatening one of his golf courses, so money should be spent on a seawall to protect it, and that Obamacare should be repealed and replaced with something that he hasn't specified and isn't really sure what it is, sort of hoping it might just appear from nowhere. He is very much America's baldric, only it seems sadly many are keen to make him queenie. At a news conference in Florida this week, Donald Trump asked that Russia hack Hillary Clinton's emails that she lost or deleted and leak them to the press. 
which is not only a disgraceful thing to do, considering that uh, Richard Nixon had to resign after admitting to burgling the Democrats' press, and now Donald Trump is asking for espionage to do the same and still running as presidential candidate. Although I do think that the only reason he wants Hillary Clinton's emails leaked is so that he can actually see what policies look like. The problem is, is that Hillary Clinton is very much establishment, and regardless of the state reopening its investigation into her use of personal email to do state business, or the IRS's current investigation into the Clinton Foundation's tax exemption, the fact is, she may not be what a lot of disillusioned America want anyway. Former leadership challenger and Simon and Garfunkel's music personified Bernie Sanders made a speech at the Democratic conference where he told supporters to vote for Hillary instead of Trump, and many booed saying to news sites afterwards that her acceptance of corporate money is exactly what they want to rally against. Some even said that they'd prefer to vote for Trump instead of Clinton, which is a really curious decision. It's like being concerned that King Kong is damaging the city, so protesting to get Godzilla in instead. But this is the situation America is in right now. Either vote for the same, albeit a historical moment in having a first female president, but politically probably just a continuation of, ig of ignoring low-income workers, playing to businesses, and probably an unnecessary war with Iran that Clinton has said she would have several times. Or you could vote for a complete idiot who probably often walks into glass walls thinking they're just open doors, won't have a clue what to do, and will likely have an unnecessary war with everyone except Russia. It is a vote between having a shit cake or having shit poured all over your house and everyone you love drowning in it. There'll be some more in-depth looks at the US election in the coming weeks as it gets ever nearer. Oh, who are the people in your cabinet? In your cabinet? In your cabinet? Say, who are the people in your cabinet? In your cabinet? In your cabinet? Hello, Karen Bradley. What do you do in the cabinet? You've got no experience of culture and entirely business focused. Hmm, you've worked as a tax manager and have a degree in maths. Let me see then. Maybe you've got some sort of job in the treasury then? Or business secretary? Culture secretary? Oh. Oh dear. What about you, little disgrace, Liam Fox? You're a disgrace, yeah, I know. Well, I assume you've not been given any sort of important job then. International Trade Secretary. This is a fucking joke. Brexit Theresa May has spent the first few weeks of her Prime Minister role travelling around Europe asking other heads of state not to hate her, as it was all balloon faces' fault in the first place. And so it currently looks like we won't actually be Brexiting anytime soon. Or at least not until next year. It seems that this is one of those breakups where, despite it definitely being over, we're still sleeping on the sofa in the flat share until we can find something else, no matter how inconvenient it might be. Merkel is back not triggering Article 50 just yet, which would give the UK two years to get its shit together and pack its bags. Instead saying that the UK should take a moment first and identify its interests. It's not entirely clear how long that moment will be, especially as yet the government's interests really aren't very obvious. Theresa May and the new Chancellor Philip Hammond want to make sure that close ties with the EU are kept, but newly appointed International Trade Secretary and fucking disgrace Liam Fox wants us instead to focus on deals with non-EU countries first. And this is causing issues amongst the cabinet with the Brexiteers, or as I like to call them, destructive careless wankers. You know, Boris Johnson, David Davis and Liam Fox, who all now have prime Brexit roles. 
and they're concerned that May and Hammond are going for a Brexit light affair, which is sort of just like a Brexit, only less damaging to the UK's health. But Theresa May is PM, so she's going to be the one that dictates which way it goes. And with visits to Ireland, Poland and Slovakia this week, in the words of Maloko, she may make this moment last. Theresa May's a bit like the teacher who tells her pupils if they finish their work they can play outside, but keeps giving them work and locks the doors and burns everything outside just to make sure they can't. And that's all for this week's Partly Political Broadcast. Uh, sorry it was a bit late and a bit short. And sorry also for the lack of interview or structure or, well, anything. Uh, these summer months are crazy work-wise, and so these podcasts can be fired out as and when I can, uh, but there may be the odd gap here and there until September. Um, quick plug, if you're in London over the next few weeks, please come along to the Phoenix Fringe, uh, which is an independent comedy fringe I co-run at the Phoenix in Oxford Circus. Uh, we sort of run it as like an anti-Edinburgh fringe with any of the acts that aren't going up north for August uh, and they can instead try out new stuff and new ideas for very cheap ticket prices. It's sort of 10 quid a ticket or 20 quid to see all the shows in one night. Um, and this year we've got uh, Sarah Pascoe, Hal Cruttenden, Nathan Kate, and Josie Long uh, and me. Especially come and see me. I'm going to be on on August the 8th, uh, which is actually the same night as Josie Long and the brilliant Kerry Godleyman. So you can either get uh, an £8 ticket in advance or £10 ticket on the day to see me, or you get a ticket uh, to see all of us for 20 quid. So you might want to do that. Um, please check out the website at phoenixfringe.co.uk and I'll hopefully see you there. Uh, please also keep your iTunes reviews coming for this podcast. Uh, also, any other thoughts, feelings, or just general exciting sensations to at Parpolbro on Twitter or Facebook or partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again for listening, and this will hopefully be back next week, possibly even with an interviewee. Ooh. This week's episode was brought to you by various letters of complaint and the number to call if any issues mentioned affect you. Are the people in your cabinet? Hello, Andrea Ledsom. What do you do in the cabinet? Oh, please say it's something you have relevant experience for and won't make a shambles of. <laughs> you're Secretary of State for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, but aren't you pro-fracking, fox hunting, and you're still not 100% sure climate change is real? <laughs> But you're definitely qualified because your CV says you have super high scores on Farmville. Oh, Andrea. Oh, dear. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.